Hi there, and God bless you. I'm Brian Hallam. I pray that this message is a blessing to you. Thank you for downloading it, and thank you for following me on Twitter and Instagram and for liking and sharing what we post there. I just want you to know that I believe God wants to do something great in your life and in your family. So as we go into the Word today, let's go in with faith and hope and a high level of expectation for what God is going to do in your life. Ezekiel twenty-two thirty says, I sought for a man among them that would make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land. I'm going to preach into your ears today along the thought, wrong place, right time. Sometimes you find yourself in a place that you wish you weren't there, but you are just what the doctor ordered for that situation. Come on, give God a big hand of praise. Slap somebody a high five and you can be seated in the presence of God. Wrong place, right time. That just described my entire life, if I'm going to be honest with you. Wrong place, right time. So, so many times in our life, we, we find ourselves in a position that we wish we were not, or we find ourselves in a position that we didn't think we would ever be at again. Maybe you, maybe you got married at a young age, and uh, it was nothing but, but butterflies and lollipops, and everything was wonderful. And then something happened, and, and it didn't work out, and everything fell to pieces. And you, find, you have found yourself, maybe not right now, but maybe at times, at a place that you never thought you would be again. You never thought you'd be single again. You never thought you'd be uh, going through the motions again and having, going through all those emotions again. Maybe, maybe you, you have children that, that love God, and you know they love God. Uh, and they, they serve God honestly and earnestly. Uh, but every so often they have gone into things that you wish they hadn't. Or maybe they get far from the house of God and you wish, man, I don't know how I got back here. This feels like such a wrong place. But I just want you to know that even in the wrong place... You can be outlandishly effective because the God that you serve, He is not hindered or haltered or harnessed by the situation that you're in. On the exact contrary, He makes great things happen out of nothing. He grabs a handful of dirt, forms it into a body, blows into it, and now all of a sudden we have mankind. There is a difference between being in the kingdom of God and just being out there blowing in the wind. I want to share just a few stories this morning, uh, but one in particular is very, uh, I enjoy it very much, uh, and you may have heard the story of David and Goliath, the little boy uh, who takes, and he, he takes a slingshot and some stones, and he, he takes his slingshot, and he ends up killing a giant, but, but I, I want to kind of bring into context how he got to that place. You see, how he got to that place was real interesting. He had a, he had a daddy, and his daddy, uh, uh, he loved him very much, but, but for, for more than one reason, he, he wasn't exactly proud of him in his current condition. And it wasn't anything David had done. It was actually what his father had done. But there was a, a prophet in the Bible named Samuel, and Samuel came, and he says, I'm looking for the next king of Israel. And he, he says, what I want you to do is I want you to uh, uh, line up all of your boys, and when you line up all of your boys, what I... What 
I'm going to do is I'm going to look them over and when I find the right one I'm going to pull out some oil and I'm going to pour the oil on his head and I'm going to anoint him to be the next king of Israel because the current king of Israel has decided to go about his own things instead of doing what God had called him to do. He said, so I'm going to look and, and here's what happened. It was very interesting. So he lines up he lines up all of his sons except one. See, David is out tending his father's sheep while everybody else is standing there hoping to get a blessing. In other words, David is literally working his land in the middle of everybody else standing there with their hands out. It was a very powerful picture in time, but one of the things that was interesting is, is Samuel came and he began to look at this boy and he was super tall and super handsome like me and he said, look, he goes, he goes this guy is what he's thinking in his mind. He goes, this guy looks like the kind of guy who needs to be the king of Israel next. And he pulls out the oil and he's thinking, surely the Spirit of the Lord is about to speak to me and the Spirit of the Lord goes mute. And he goes, okay, not this one. And he goes down to the next one, not quite as handsome, but still pretty good looking, not quite as tall, but still pretty tall. And he says, how about this one? And he gets quiet for a minute and nothing. And he goes all the way down the line and none of them were the right, none of them had the right DNA on the inside. They had the right DNA on the outside, but they didn't have the right makeup on the inside. And the Bible says that God doesn't look at the outside of things. He's not looking at you saying, hell, let me see the outside of you because the outside of you is covered with scars. The outside of you is covered, oh, bless God, some of us is covered with wrinkles, glory to God. Uh, the outside of you, you, the outside of you is different than the inside of you. God's not sitting there looking saying, what can I do with the outside? outside of somebody he's saying I just need to know what's on the inside of that person because if they got the right goods on the inside I can change everything about the outside just like that so the scripture says he goes and he, he's like he not this one not this one not this one and really that's probably a word for somebody this morning there might have been some people in your life that you thought man this was going to be the relationship maybe it's a spouse or maybe it's a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend, or maybe it's just a good friend, and you thought, this is going to be the relationship that's going to change everything. This is going to be the relationship that I have longed for, and it's like the Spirit of the Lord. Whenever he said, whenever he got quiet, he just so well said, not that one, not that one, not that one, not that one, but our problem is, is we parade them all in front of the Lord and we're like, are you sure, Lord? You're like, you're fixing his hair, you know what I'm saying? You're tucking in his shirt. You're like, oh, this one here, God, this one here. And, and he's like barely even in church, you know, he's trying to figure out how to get out before the doors are closed. And you're like, surely, God, this is the one. And the Lord's just going, mm, 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 mm. Then you bring the next one. You're like, what about this one, Lord? I found him. It was a real nice bar. We were out there, and it was just great. And I'm telling you, it wasn't one of those down-and-out places, you know. And he drove me home, and it was, it was just a wonderful time. And, you know, he tried things that I wish he hadn't, but, you know, we're all working on things. You know what I'm saying? And you bring him to the Lord, and you're like, I'm going to clean him up. And God's going, mm, 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 mm. And gentlemen... It's no different, okay, for, for, for us or, or you. 
Maybe, maybe it's the same scenario where, hey, uh, all of a sudden, because let me just say this, the idea that girls like bad boys, there's some truth to that. But there's also the idea that, that, that girls will prey on guys that are just overwhelmingly committed to the things of God. They'll, listen, a guy can become a target for a young lady or a lady just like a lady can become a target for a guy, okay? So literally, God's sitting there and the, all the brothers are there and God's going, nope, 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 nope. Nope, nope, nope. And, and then Samuel goes, do you have any more boys? And all of a sudden, David's dad goes, well, I got one. He's out in the field tending sheep. And I could hear Samuel say, you mean he's a shepherd? You mean he's about his father's business? You mean he is doing what he can while he can? And he said, well, let's go. And he said, bring him here. And, and David comes up and he says, he says, oh, that's the one. And he pulls out that they used to carry the oil in a horn. And he pulled out that horn of oil and he poured it on his head. He says, this is going to be the next king of Israel right here. And all the other brothers, I could just see it like, are you kidding me? Do you see this boy? He's ruddy. That's what King James says. He, he said, he's, he, do you see this boy? Are you kidding me? And David, David, the Bible says, he was like, okay, that, that's wonderful. But then he just kept right on doing what his dad told him to do. Then there came uh, a giant. He was a Philistine. And anytime you hear the word Philistine in the Bible, it's the enemy of God's people. And so what happened is there was a great war fixing to take place. There was a, bra- a great battle fixing to take place. And this giant named Goliath was screaming at the Israelite army, talking about how he was going to kill them, how they're all a bunch of dogs, and how it's just going to be a, uh, he's, I'm going to massacre all of you guys. And, and, and the Bible says that all the Israelites were just shaking in their boots. And one day, David's dad came to him, and he said, hey, David, he said, your big brothers, they're down at the battlefield, and they're about to go to war. I want you to take them some bread and some cheese. I want you to take them something to eat. And David says, yes, sir. And the first thing David did is, make sure that his flocks were taken care of in other words Matthew 23 23 says this you should do this thing but not leave the other undone can I just say this as a side note as Christians we should never use Christianity as an excuse to be rude or ugly we should do this and not leave the other undone we should never use christianity as a reason to tear somebody down and to hurt somebody and then blame the bible because of it no it wasn't the lashes it wasn't the threat of lashes that brought you to jesus it was the fact that he took the lashes for you that brought you to jesus so for us, the Bible says that David, he, he goes and he takes it to his brothers and he's like, all right, guys, here's some bread. Everybody's fine. Dad's doing good. The sheep are good and everything's wonderful. And all of a sudden, down in the valley comes big old Goliath and he starts to scream and shout and rail and cuss and talk about how bad uh, the Israelites are. And he, they begins, he begins to threaten uh, uh, like he's been doing day after day. And David is sitting there and he's like, so yeah, I baked this bread. It was really good. It, it was like this and I put the yeast in and I'm going to let it rest and let it rise and then I bathe. Then all of a sudden he hears that giant and he goes, are you guys hearing this? He said, do you guys hear that guy down in the valley talking about our God? 
Do you guys hear the man down there in the valley talking about how he's going to kill every one of us? And I could just see the, the other guys going, yeah, actually, we've heard him for like day after day, week after week. This guy's been screaming at us. And I could just see David going, no, 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 wait a minute. You've let this guy curse our God every day and nobody's done anything about it? The Bible says later that David was a man after God's own heart. So some of the times when we see David make a decision, it is likened to what, G, what, what the Lord will do. So literally what happens is uh, the Bible says in Ezekiel that God's looking to and fro. Who will take up the gap? Who will take up the hedge? Who will stand in between? So for your friends and your family that aren't living right, they're not doing right, they're not, they're not serving God, their life looks like a train wreck, and you know it, I know it, everybody knows it. God is not looking for you to throw rocks at them. God is looking for somebody to stand in the gap between them and judgment and say, no, 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 God, please save their soul, touch their family, heal their children, save their marriage, rescue them. But you but, 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 but you got to get rid of the thoughts that come in your mind in the process. And one of the thoughts might be, this guy wants to yell and scream at my brothers, but these are the same brothers who left me in the field on the very day that I was supposed to be anointed. You see, David had a lot of reason to get self-righteous. He was fixing to be the next king of Israel. But instead of getting self-righteous, he looked out at the problem. He was in the wrong place at the right time to handle the situation because God doesn't need everybody to do something. He just needs somebody to do something. He comes and, and, and the Bible says uh, that the giant screams and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll shorten the story for the sake of time, but he, he goes out there and he takes his slingshot and he kills that giant and he cuts his head off and he carries him all through Israel. He said, this is what happens to people that mess with our God. But, but number one, and you might want to write this down, just because things aren't going right doesn't mean you're out of line. Just because things aren't going right doesn't mean you're out of line. I remember growing up, a lot of times I would hear people say this, you know, if, if something wasn't going right in your life, all of a sudden it would be, well, what have you been doing? Well, what did you do wrong? And I'm like, well, I mean, I just woke up, I brushed my teeth, you know, I, I ate some, some, some Cheerios, glory to God, you know. I don't know what I did wrong. If I did something wrong, I'd like to change it, but I'm not sure what I did wrong. So, so literally sometimes in your life, you can be positioned in a place that requires you to fight, that requires you to go to war, that requires you to stand, that requires you to take a stand, and it's not wrong of you. On the exact contrary, he was doing exactly what his daddy told him to do. He said, I want you to take that bread to your brothers. He was doing exactly what he was supposed to do. He was in the right, he was in the wrong place, but he was right on time. Somebody give God a big hand of praise. The second thing I want to I want to think on is when you find yourself in the wrong place, the right time, you're in great company. You see, the Israelites, when they uh, came out of Egypt, the Bible says that they came out and, and, and they were carrying all the gold and silver because Pharaoh just got tired of messing with our God. And they're carrying all the gold and silver that they could carry. And they're getting out into the wilderness. And as soon as they get out in the wilderness, the first thing they run into is a huge body of water called the Red Sea. 
They get to the Red Sea and they're like, all right, we'll camp here for a little bit. And all of a sudden behind them, they heard the clamor of hoofbeats. They heard the clanging of armor. They heard swords being pulled out of sheaves and spears being made ready. And it was all because the ones who had set them free, the ones who they had been delivered from, were now trying to track them down again. When you go through something and you come out of it, Christianity is not a one-and-done deal. No, on the contrary, if you struggle with something and God gives you, uh, God delivers you from that thing and God brings you out of that thing, it may not be the last time that you see that thing. On the exact contrary, it could very well be the thing that will chase you. It may be the rest of your life. And you go, wait a minute, I don't want to fight this thing the rest of my life. Well, here's the scenario. If you make the decision to stand forever, you're not going to have to stand that long. If you make the decision to fight forever, you're not going to have to fight that long. But they get to the Red Sea, and they're all there, and then the, 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 the uh, Egyptians are coming behind them, and they're, they're ready to take them out, and, and just they're going to do all kind of things to them. They're going to try to put them back in slavery. They're going to try to kill them. But the Bible says that they looked at that Red Sea, and they said, oh my gosh, you know, this is a huge problem for us. What are we going to do? And even Moses began to pray, and he says, oh God, what am I supposed to do now? And the Lord answered him in a very interesting way. He said, Moses, wherefore, this is King James, wherefore thou criest out unto me? In other words, why are you crying out to me now? He said, stretch forth your hand and tell the sea to get out of your way. Sometimes we're praying and God's saying, look, I'm not trying to get you out of here. He said, I've already made a way for you where there was no way. I just need you to say to the mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea. I'm not telling you that, that, that you have to uh, stress and strain about it. I just need you to open your mouth and speak to the problem at hand and quit talking about the problem all day long and start talking to the problem all day long. It's a powerful shift in, in mental thought process when you decide, I am, going to, I am going to wrestle against the things that are wrestling against me. So they get to the Red Sea and they're sitting there and Moses has his prayer time with the Lord and the Lord tells him to stretch forth his hand and tell the, tell the sea to get out of the way and he takes his rod and he picks it up and he holds it out over the sea and he says, get out of the way, sea. And the Bible says that the water stacked up on one side and the water stacked up on the other side and all of a sudden there was dry ground where there used to be a sea and the Bible says that all the Israelites were sitting there and they were walking through and I don't know if it happened like this but it'd be cool if it did. Maybe it was like the world, the world greatest aquarium and they could look in the Red Sea as they're going and maybe even it was like shopping and it was like ooh a redfish boom grab a redfish out of the water oh look a tarpon I'll take a tarpon glory to God and so they're walking through and then all of a sudden they get to the other side and the Egyptians feel brave enough to run through the, the, the dry ground as well and while they are running through the dry ground, it's this crazy encounter where we're literally, I don't know what gives the enemy of God such audacity to try to step on what God has given us as a miracle. 
you prayed and you prayed and that baby was, was born immature and, and was born early, was born premature and you prayed and you prayed and that baby came to life and all of a sudden that baby's getting older and they hit 10 or 12 years old and all of a sudden the devil starts trying to do things to it. You just got to remind the devil that baby was a miracle and that baby got here and you can't walk where God has given me my miracle. No, the Egyptians began to, to walk on the miraculous, but the miraculous is not for the enemy. The miraculous is for you and me. So they began to walk where, 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 where God had prepared the place specifically for God's people. And all of a sudden, when the last Israeli footprint got on the dry ground of the beach, all of a sudden that water collapsed on the enemies and all the enemies of God's people were drowned in one single moment. All because... Number two, God will make a way where there is no way. Maybe you feel that in your job right now or maybe in a relationship where you say, I just don't feel like there's any way this is going to work. The reality is if you could have done it, you would have done it a long time ago. This is a place where we gather not to talk about our own strengths, but to talk about the strength of the one who in the middle of a dire and desperate circumstance will cause the Red Sea of your life to part, get out of your way, and drown everything that has been tailing you. When you think about the goodness of God and what He does for you and me, we have to keep in context that if you are going through something, He is not surprised, He knows about it, and he has allowed it to happen. That doesn't mean that he's sitting there putting landmines in front of Christians. Oh, I want this Christian to have cancer. Oh, I want this Christian to have to go through divorce. Oh, I want this Christian to have to go through bankruptcy. Oh, I want this Christian to lose their job right before Christmas. Oh, I want this Christian. No, that's not the Lord at all. Matter of fact, that's the enemy of God that brings those things. But here's the scenario. If you are in fact in the middle of the wrong place, it is the right time for you because God himself is about to deliver you with with his mighty right hand and make your adversaries to flee in seven directions. One more story, maybe two. There's a, man, there's a man named Jacob in the Bible. And our Bible, the, the covenant of God, it's, it, the, the old covenant, it kind of begins with a man named Abram. Later it would become Abraham. That's why if you were a Christian, when I was a Christian as a little boy, you would sing these songs. Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham, and I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Right hand, Father Abraham, and many sons. And I always wondered, where's the daughters at? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I never understood it. But Abraham was the start of this thing. And the Bible says it was counted, he was counted as righteous by faith, the Bible says. And then he had a son named Isaac. 
And Isaac had a son, had actually had two sons, one named Jacob, one named Esau. But Jacob was the one who would take, get the blessing and take the promise. And Jacob grows up and it gets time for him to go and find some wives. And he goes and he finds a man named Laban and who has these beautiful daughters. But one in particular's name was uh, Rachel. And he was like, oh man, Rachel. He, he knew that he wanted to marry Rachel. So uh, he gets there and he says, Laban, he says, sir, he said, what do I have? to do to marry Rachel he said simple work for me for seven years and then you can have my daughter I'm thinking that might not be a bad gig you know now think about it seven years a pretty good pretty good time get to keep your kids longer anyway uh, he says seven years work for me you can have my daughter well seven years rolls around and old Laban pulls the wool over Jacob's eyes and on the uh, instead of sending Rachel into the honeymoon tent he sends Leah into the honeymoon tent who's probably attractive in her own right and probably a wonderful young lady in her own right but it was not who Jacob thought he was about to marry so he wakes up the next morning because at that time they didn't have night lights and things like that and he was surprised to see who was in the bed with him and he says wait a minute I worked seven years for your sister not for you and he runs out of the tent and he says Laban why did you do this to me and Laban says listen it's not right in my culture to give away the youngest daughter before I give away the oldest daughter I'm not supposed to do that he said but you told me I could have Rachel and Laban said I tell you what you can have Rachel just work for me another seven years He says, are you for real? He said, I'm for real. And he works for him for seven years. I just want to point out one thing. Uh, Jacob, the Bible says, uh, he was born a twin with his brother Esau. Esau was born first, which meant Esau should have got the blessing or the blessing of the birthright. When they were coming out, the Bible says that Jacob was holding on to Esau's heel on the way out. And when they came out, uh, as they got older, Esau became a great hunter and a great outdoorsman. And his daddy just really liked him because he'd go kill all this wild game and bring back the fresh meat and everything. And Jacob, he was kind of a mama's boy, and, and it, but he was always trying to figure out a way to get ahead. And he, he really wanted the blessing of the firstborn. So he said to him uh, one time when, when Esau came in really sleepy and tired from hunting, totally exhausted, he said, look, I'll fix you something to eat if you'll give me your birthright. And he says, okay, fine fine, uh, you can have my birthright. So literally, Jacob stole the birthright of Esau and got the blessing of the firstborn from Isaac. Is everybody still with me? Then when Jacob goes to get married, somebody pulls the wool over his eyes and when he was wanting the first bo- uh, excuse me when he was wanting one he ended up getting the other all I'm trying to tell you is the Bible is true from Genesis to Revelation you will reap what you sow so Jacob is reaping what he had sowed now I'm not mad at him I'm not frustrated with him but at the same time this is just the Bible being even more true than it would be if we were just reading the surface sometimes you can't read the Bible sometimes you've got to read the Bible you see what I'm saying so literally, uh, Jacob says, oh, seven more years goodness gracious so he works for him another seven years and finally he says all right dad look I gotta go you 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 tricked me I got to get out of here. I've got to leave. He goes, he goes, I've been with you for 14 years. I'm going to need some payment for my time here. And Laban said, I tell you what, 
You can have all the brown cows, all the spotted cows, all the speckled cows, all the brown goats, all the spotted goats, and all the speckled goats. And Jacob says, fine by me, because Laban thought he was going to get the best of Jacob in the situation. So Jacob goes and he takes a stick uh, and he, he drives it in the ground at the water hole and he took his pocket knife out and he flicked it open like that because it's a real nice one. And he, he, he shaved off some speckles and some spots on that stick. So every time that those cows and those goats would come to that water hole, right in front of their face would be that speckled stick. And before you knew it, all the goats and all the cows that were being born were speckled, spotted, or brown, all because they began to become what was in front of their face. You and me have to be very careful what is in front of our face. The Bible says our eyes are the windows to our soul. If you've got friends and family that every time you get around them, they're saying racist stuff. Every time you get around them, they're saying a bunch of hateful stuff. Every time you get around them, they're talking bad about God's people or bad about preachers or bad about uh, uh, the house of God, the things of God, the kingdom of God, bless God. They don't like Jesus. If you got friends and family and you're spending a lot of time around them, you better, number one, go into that thing prayed up and trying to pull them in the right direction, but you better understand Whatever is in front of your face before it's over, you're going to begin to become like that. That's why being in the house of God can't ju won't just change your life. It'll change every generation down line from you. That's why staying committed to the kingdom of God in the middle of adversity won't just change your life. It'll change your children's life. It'll change your family's life. It'll change your friend's life. And all those friends that want to bring you down when they have a moment when they really need something, they don't want to talk to somebody that's like them. They want to talk to somebody that's living by faith, walking by faith, trusting God, believing God. But literally, they began to become what was in front of their face. Number three, if you're writing things down, write this down. Literally, just because somebody is against you doesn't mean God can't bless you. You might have a, a, a boss or an employer that doesn't like you for whatever reason. I'm just here to tell you that that employer does not supply your needs according to his riches and glory, but our God supplies our needs according to his riches and glory. As we begin to pursue him, that doesn't mean everybody's going to like it. That doesn't mean everybody's going to get behind it. That doesn't mean everybody's going to enjoy it. That doesn't mean any of those things. But what it does mean is God's hands are not tied by the current condition of your flocks and herds. No, he can change the tide. He can change the situation. He can say, oh, really? Only spotted cows are going to come to my people? Well, guess what? Poof, nothing but spotted cows. Oh, really? only brown cows well guess what poof nothing but brown cows you can mess with my kids as much as you want to but there's a day coming when the mighty right hand of God swoops down and says you're not going to take one more step you're not going to push them one more inch I'm going to bless them in the city I'm going to bless them in the field I'm going to bless them coming in and bless God I'm going to bless them going out no there's a shift that can take place there's a shift that takes place with a Christian when you begin to realize it might seem like the wrong place, but because you are there, it is the right time. 
The reason I know is not because I trust your ability. The reason I know is because I know who is with you through the valley of the shadow of death. I don't get peace and resolution in the fact that I can sustain things. I get peace in the fact that I know that he will never leave me. He will never forsake me. While I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because thou art with me. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I hear. I'm not moved by what I feel. I know it might not seem like the right place. It might. I wish I wasn't even here right now. I wish I didn't have to come back around this thing. But I know if I'm coming through this thing, then I know for a fact I am coming through this thing. Somebody give God. There's something about living for God. That decides I'm not going to be moved by my circumstance. I know it does. I wish it wasn't happening again. I wish they didn't say that again. I wish everything hadn't seemed to be the same thing again. I know. I get it. All I'm telling you is throughout the whole process, just because something's going wrong doesn't mean you're off track. Just because something's going wrong doesn't mean you're off track. Just because you've come to a Red Sea and it looks completely impossible, it doesn't mean that he can't make a way where there was no way. Just because times have gotten really tough and people are trying to take advantage of you, that doesn't mean that God can't bless you in the midst of the whole thing. Last point, then we're going to close. The Bible says in Matthew 14 that Jesus told the disciples, hop in the boat and go across to the other side. And when you go to the other side, you know, uh, we'll we'll do some stuff there. He'd just gotten done healing people and preaching, doing everything that Jesus does. Heal, save, deliver, love, cover sin. And the Bible says that the disciples are in the boat and and they're out there and, and literally the boat is just getting tossed to and fro and get this the Bible says the winds were contrary that's what King James says some translation would say the winds were rough what it really says there is the winds were against the vessel in other words sometimes the wind is at our back and we're really just able to move and it's great but sometimes the winds are against us Sometimes the winds are pushing against us, but if Jesus said go, we still go. It's getting late at night, and they're, they're, they're out in the boat, and the boat's rocking to and fro, and everything's just kind of going uh, crazy, and the disciples are getting scared. And they look out, and they see a man walking on the water, and they think it's a ghost. I could understand that. They see a ghost walking on the rough wind and the, the, the rough waves that are getting tossed by the wind. And, and literally, they look out and they said, oh, my goodness, there's a ghost. And Jesus said, no, man, it's me. Don't worry about it. It's me. And Peter, the Bible says, Peter says, Jesus, if it is you, tell me to come out there with you. And Jesus said, well, come on then, Peter. And Peter, I could just see Peter stepping over the rail of that boat. He goes, y'all heard him. He said to come out there, right? 
He's trying to talk his way into it. He, y'all heard him right a minute. It's a, it's a little rough. I, I know the, the winds are really ripping. But if Jesus said do it, I'm going to do it. And he puts one leg over there and boom. And where his leg should have sank, his leg just, his foot just stands firm on the water. And, and Peter's like, whoa, I think it's going to work. And then he throws the other leg over and he's holding on to the rail. And he's sitting there. And I could just hear Peter go, I could just hear Jesus going, would you let go of the boat already, Peter? And Peter's like, I'm coming, Lord. And he's like, He's kind of walking and he lets go of one hand. He lets go of one hand. He's still holding on to the boat best he can. And he goes, I'm doing it. And Jesus said, let go of the boat. And he lets go of the boat and he's on the waves. And he's just walking and he's like, ah, look at me go, Jesus. Jesus goes, look at you go, Peter. And he's walking on the waves and he's trying to get around. And all of a sudden he goes, oh my gosh, the waves are getting bigger. And instead of focusing on Jesus, he focuses on the waves. And before you know it, the waves start to overtake him and he begins to go down. And the only thing he can think of is Jesus, Lord, save me. Jesus reaches down with his mighty right hand. He pulls him up and he goes, oh, Peter, if you'd have just believed a little longer, you could have walked on this water as long as you wanted. Peter says, yeah. And they hold hands. I could just see Jesus taking him up under the shoulder, walking him over. And he gets over to the boat and he's like, and everybody's just like, yeah, way to go, Peter, chest bump. And literally, John's like, I caught the whole thing, bro. It's going to be incredible. And Peter's like, yeah, that's what's up. The winds were tossing the boat like crazy. It's the middle of the night. They were fearing for their life. If I'm them, I got to feel like I'm in the wrong place. But the wrong place is the right time when Jesus walks on the water next to your boat. If you're taking notes, write this down. Number four. If you want to experience the miracle, you have to get out of the boat. There are 11 disciples that got to talk about the miracle. There's 11 disciples that got to say, Ooh, you should have seen Peter walking on that water. It was amazing. Hashtag buoyancy. You should have seen Peter. You should have seen Peter. But there's only one disciple that's going, and I would frame them. These are the shoes that I wore when I walked on the water. Maybe even got them bronzed, hanging on the wall. Peter, you got like a size 12 nasty sandal. Why you got your size 12 dusty sandal bronzed? Those aren't just sandals, man. I walked straight on top of the water with those things. Eleven got a cool story one experienced the miracle just because things aren't going right doesn't mean you're not in the right timing of God I know what it feels like to almost like take another lap same thing same thing wish didn't have to do this again I know what it feels like to walk up to a giant 
and go, whoa, I was just trying to do what my dad said. He said, bring some bread. Now i got to fight a giant. This doesn't seem right. I know what it feels like whenever uh, you sit there and you've done everything that you can and you just had a major encounter with God and everything was wonderful. He just delivered you from something. And then the first thing you see is the Red Sea and you hear the hoofbeats of the enemy chasing you behind you. I know what that feels like. All I'm telling you is the wrong place doesn't mean the wrong time. The other thing I can tell you is I know what it feels like to be taken advantage of. I know what it feels like when somebody's trying to use your gifts and your talents in an unfair way, in an unfair measure. But all I'm here to tell you is that God can bless you in that circumstance just like He can bless you in any other circumstance. But if you want to experience the miracle of God, you have to get out of the boat. God is looking for somebody who will stand in the gap. He was looking for somebody who will take up the hedge. He's looking for somebody who says, I'm just going to be that go-between. Well, I don't know what God's called me to do. You certainly know what He's called you not to do. I don't know what God's called me to do for the next 20 years of my life. But the next 20 minutes, He says, if you'll just worship me, if you'll just honor me, I'll show you things. I'll show you great and mighty things that you've never thought of, that have never crossed your mind. I'll show you things. I'll take you to places. But I want you to rest assured. Quit getting to the giant and wondering if I'm there. Quit getting to the Red Sea and asking me if I'm there. Quit getting in the middle of a storm and asking me if I'm there. I will never, ever leave you. I will never, ever forsake you. And just because it feels like the wrong place, it's just the right time for my miraculous power to break out in your situation and on your behalf oh you don't understand preacher my kids are so far from God I'm telling you they're they're one breath away from being right with God from serving God and from dragging you around in the kingdom they're one breath away from writing the best worship song that's ever been written they're one breath away from having an encounter with God that changes everything your marriage is one decision away from being stronger than it's ever been your life is one decision away from being better than it's ever been your finances is one motive away from being better than it's ever been there is a place in God that doesn't feel right but the right timing of God it doesn't matter where you are Stand to your we hope you were blessed by today's podcast if you'd like more information about Pastor Brian or New Heights Church visit newheightschurch.info and be sure to follow Pastor Brian on Twitter and Instagram until next time thank you so much for liking and sharing